Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I am a huge fan of actionable tips, and so I try to construct these podcasts with topics that provide you takeaways that you can take action and hopefully enhance your fertility and get you a bit closer to healthy conception with the takeaways that I provide here. So today we are going to be talking about a certain chemical that comes up if you are consuming your water in certain ways, which I'm going to get into. However, this chemical is also found in other kind of sneaky places. So I'm going to outline all of that. We're not exactly just talking about water, but I'm going to start with that because it's a really common thing that I see. And that is the drinking of water from plastic bottles. So a study recently popped into my inbox from my association, and it's called the effect of plastic bottled water consumption on outcomes of ICSI IVF cycles undertaken for unexplained infertility. The subjects were women between age 23 and 33 years old, which is a pretty young cohort. And they all underwent IVF cycles using ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm injection. And they were all going through IVF because of unexplained infertility. So they just weren't getting pregnant, but there was no reason found per se. They provided urine, blood, and follicular fluid samples on the day of their egg retrieval. And consumption of drinking water from plastic bottles at home were considered as chronic BPA exposure that were affecting their IVF outcomes. So the results of the study were that among the 82 women with unexplained infertility, clinical pregnancy was achieved in 22 out of the 82, so about 27% of them, after the IVF and embryo transfer cycle. The patients who consumed tap water had statistically significantly lower BPA values in their three body fluids compared with the ones who were consuming plastic bottled water. And so I'm not exactly a fan of tap water either, which I'll get into in another episode. And I touched on it in an episode I did on toxins. Plastic bottled water poses a fairly significant issue due to the content of BPA. And especially when a lot of the plastic bottles are sitting on like hot trucks or have been um, sitting in the sun or something, it's just leaching more and more of the BPA into the water that we're drinking. So the women who had... Um, lower success rates uh, basically had higher levels of BPA. Women who had grade one embryos transferred had lower serum BPA levels. So women who had better quality embryos had lower BPA values than the women who had grade two embryos. So more poorly graded embryos that were transferred. Serum 
and follicular BPA levels were statistically significantly higher in women to who failed to achieve pregnancy um, and also live birth. So we're seeing a direct correlation. It is, in fact, a small study, but I've seen other studies that allude to this, the effect on egg quality and, and fertility as it pertains to certain toxins, uh, BPA being a major one. So the conclusion of the study was that a negative relationship was found between serum follicular and serum and follicular fluid BPA levels and embryo quality and then the consequent clinical pregnancy and live birth rate for these women. In addition, the BPA levels of women who consume tap water at home were lower than those who consumed plastic bottled water. So it's kind of a catch-22 because there's some garbage in tap water, but then there's BPA in plastic bottled water. So it's like, which way do you go with this? And I'm and really the solution, in my opinion, is to have a stainless steel a bottle that you drink your water out of, or you have a glass bottle that you tote around with you and then wash. But plastic should be really a rarity. Don't make that your, you know, bottle that you go to the beach with kind of thing, or that you're drinking bottled water every day because that's the way you get your water down. Because if we're seeing a direct correlation between BPA levels and embryo quality, and that's the biggest fight for a lot of women in terms of trying to have IVF success rate, then this is fairly significant information. Now, I've mentioned that it comes from plastic bottled water, but there are other surprising sources of this chemical. Um, so I just wanted to highlight those so that you know how to avoid, where to find them so that you can avoid them. So here comes my list of BPA sources that you would not be thinking about as much. Dental sealants. So there's actually a lot of evidence supporting the fact that people who work in dental care actually have higher rates of infertility and exposure to certain toxicities, but it's not just the people who work in that profession, sort of like if you work in a nail salon, it's also found in the things that they're putting in your mouth from certain dental procedures. So maybe just really go over that with your dentist. And sometimes it might be valuable to seek out a holistic dentist that has BPA free alternatives because they are in fact available these days. One thing that makes me cringe big time is when I see people take their receipts, like their paper receipts at the cash register. Unfortunately, those are a major source of BPA. I like whenever I talk to one of the cashiers, I always tell them they should be wearing gloves. I probably sound like the crazy lady in line, but I'm looking at them. I never take my receipt. If I really think I need it, I take a photo of it. I just, I don't even put my hands on it. So that's something for you to think about too. If you don't need to take the paper receipt, don't take the paper receipt. A lot of things are done electronically now, like you can get an email to you, or again, you can just snap a photo on your phone. Our smartphones do so many things to simplify our lives, um, though they keep us unplugged in all the time, and that's a whole other thing. It's a consideration. All of this that I'm telling you about is a consideration not only for getting pregnant, although this is obviously the goal for many of you, but whilst you're pregnant, the exposure to these toxins can have an effect on the fetus, can have an effect on the stability of your pregnancy and then just the development of the fetus and potentially lead to issues later. Not that I want to be like, like using scare tactics. I just sort of want to be informing you of the different things that you should be thinking about. Canned food liners. So basically canned products. And, and you know, in some cases, we're just going to do that. I'm just trying to highlight that maybe don't do this every time. Like if you're buying chickpeas always in a can, maybe you're going to soak them and start boiling them once in a while. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. 
I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. Soups, you can get them in uh, cardboard or in, even better, fresher ones in a glass container. Some shops sell that. Uh, juices, tomatoes, think about all of the canned things. And sometimes like the liquids that they're in are actually kind of corrosive, like the acidity of tomatoes will leach more off the cans, not to mention beer super acidic. Uh, that's another place that you can be leaching quite a bit of BPA into the fluid and then consuming it. If you are into making jam or other preserves, canning jar lids are another one. So it's like you're basically storing your food in BPA toxicity. So unless it's listed BPA free, this is something to consider. Plastic food containers, probably a more obvious one given what I've said already, especially if you're heating them. So be really careful about that. Explore stainless steel and glass options. These are available everywhere. It's very common in India to have all sorts of stainless steel containers that stack uh, that can now be ordered through Amazon or other online suppliers. And then glass options are in all of the stores. So plenty of options available. It's just kind of making the change. I realize they're heavier, but they're also a heck of a lot healthier. Things like pizza boxes. Now, you're going to get to know me th over the course of listening to these podcasts that I'm probably not going to be recommending a ton of pizza while you're trying to get pregnant, mostly because it contains several inflammatory foods that are not leading to the environment internally that I'm looking to create for healthy conception, um, especially with cases of unexplained fertility or inflammatory disorders like endometriosis or people who are more prone to inflammation like with PCOS or fibroids. Pizza is just not my favorite fertility food. That said, if you're doing it once in a while, you're doing it once in a while. But pizza boxes somehow contain BPA, mostly because they've been recycled. So um, it's great that we're doing recycling, but it also ends up putting more chemicals into some of the products that we're using consistently. For example, toilet paper. And so, you know, because the toilet paper is often recycled uh, from other products, there's BPA in it also. So, you know, I would be looking more at those eco-friendly, non-toxic versions. They may not be as soft on your tush, but again, we're looking at reducing exposure here. This is a big one for people who work in offices, uh, the water coolers, those water coolers, coolers that go glug, 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 and you press the little button down and it brings your water into the cup. First of all, there's usually plastic cups right beside there. So you're dealing with that. Second of all, um, I find those things actually fairly filthy. If you lift up the bottle, you'll generally see quite a bit of grime. And then the, the, the sort of pipes or the tubes where the water goes through, those are never cleaned. So just maybe consider that not again, that I'm trying to be scary, but more just that it's kind of gross and unhygienic. So the water coolers are something I would not suggest using very often. Again, you're going to have to just be a little bit more organized, bringing your own stuff. So, and, and you can also use other types of water filters that you can have at the office. Again, it's more effort, but very, very worth it. 
know that some of the filters that you buy are also going to be an issue. Soda cans, again, I've alluded to cans already. Uh, There's the whole issue with beer, soda, food cans, beer and wine are unfortunately an issue because of the epoxy lining in wine vats. Uh, so that's really sad because again, the, the wine is, is sitting in there and it's acidic. And so it's leaching more because of its corrosiveness because of the acidity. I mean, you'll know from listening to the things I say in these podcasts too, that I'm not exactly a huge fan of a bunch of alcohol in your system when you are trying to conceive too, just because it's a major reason to have acidity, inflammation, and bung up your liver, which processes your hormones. But you know, if you're having it here and there, it's fine. Just know that that is another point of exposure for BPA. Eyewear. Interestingly enough, and this is one I was really surprised by, if we are wearing sunglasses or plastic lenses, we are in contact with BPA all day long. I haven't actually done the research on this to see if any of the glasses or sunglasses companies are listing some of their products to be BPA free, but this is definitely something to look out for because I can tell you that I will sit with sunglasses on my face for quite a long time. And now I am going to be apprehensive to do so. CDs and DVDs. I mean, we don't use these very often anymore. So I'm not as concerned about this, but you know, it would have been something to consider in the past. Blenders and food processors though. Some of us who like the kitchen are using these fairly often. The food sits in there. It's leaching the BPA. We consume the food. This is an issue. There are BPA free blenders and food processors, but again, you're just going to have to look out for those. So that is the gist of the list. Now is BPA found in other sources too? Yes, absolutely. But think cans, plastic, certain types of paper, like receipts, toilet paper, you know, and then maybe you'll be able to start looking at reducing your exposure a little bit. And if you are somebody that's having IVF failures or issues with embryo quality or just unknown hormonal issues, then we have to think about toxic load because they are really sneaky. They're creeping in from everywhere. We actually have uh, an ebook we're going to be putting online about how to detox your life. So that'll be available soon. And I'll make an announcement on that uh, when it, when it's ready. And in the meantime, if you wanted more information, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for tuning in and hope this was helpful. Talk to you next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.